everybody. Welcome to another episode of Provoke Success. Today, my friend Justin McCurdy joins me. He is a financial advisor for the stars. So today we're going to learn about uh, the financial side of success and uh, see what we can do, what we can grow, what we can learn from that. Justin, thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no this problem. exciting. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's, you know, it's trying to trying to get out there and show you know the world different aspects different careers different locations yeah. and uh you know show people um a lot of so first of all we think of success we think money yeah you know so for me not to touch upon money and someone who knows money like you yeah i feel like i'm um not showing my my listeners and my viewers yeah. you know a full side of things of you know course. i'm saying pursue your dreams pursue this and that but some of it comes down to money yeah. so like what what do you do and uh, and how do you do it just kind of a nutshell uh, I'm a financial advisor, um, and you know, so uh, basically, I help. The first thing I do is I help educate people, right? Um, it's one thing to tell somebody what to do with their money. Um, it's another thing to give somebody uh, tips and suggestions. It's another thing to educate them so that over the course of their relationship, they develop their own financial acumen that allows them to, you know, do a lot of these things on their own. I think that's the more powerful message than just, you know being a coach that tries to do everything for their kids. They got to go out there and play. Players got to go out there and, and, and do so. Um, okay. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Have you, have you always been like, are you a numbers person? Is that why you kind of got into the, the money side of things or? I think I have a healthy balance, so I'm good with numbers. So I'd say I'm a money person, but I'm also a people person and in our business, understanding the technical aspects of financial services are equally uh, as important as understanding people because at the end of the day you're taking complex information and you want to simplify it into layman's terms into uh, concepts that everyday people will understand they'll be passionate about and it'll resonate with them okay yeah yeah. that's that's good stuff so i mean so it is a there's a fine tuning behind the scenes a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes you're just trying to make it easy and uh get people's trust while also educating them on like what you're actually doing with their money and why you're doing stuff with their money as opposed to hey if you give me x amount every month i'll try to flip it for this yeah exactly you have to be able to communicate with people first off they have to feel comfortable with what's going on i mean this is you're working with their hard-earned dollars and so i take that very seriously i take my responsibility and my role in my clients lives very seriously and the biggest testament to the relationship is when somebody feels that there's a hundred percent transparency they're fully comfortable with what's going on and they understand the process what you don't want is somebody to trust you but not really trust what's going on because you haven't informed them and you haven't educated them about you know everything you're doing with their finances no that, that's that's huge yeah for yeah. sure what uh, what's your background uh went to you actually I'll, I'll start from the very beginning so yeah, yeah. i was born in canada um to jamaican immigrants so i'm actually jamaican it's a term my family coined um they migrated to canada had me and so i I grew up in a in a cultural melting pot there was people from all walks of life people from all socioeconomic backgrounds Um, and i think that helped me being able to relate to multiple uh people and and growing up in various cultures uh we moved to los angeles when i was 10 and I lived all around Los Angeles, ended up at USC. At the time, um, I wanted to be a sports agent when I first got there, when I was a you know senior in high school, freshman in college. And 
as I started taking finance classes and accounting classes, I fell more in love with the process of uh, investing my own money, learning about finance. More importantly, I saw there was a hole in the industry and that hole being financial literacy. Very few people take the time to educate their clients. Uh, in fact, financial advisors, a lot of them would rather their clients be in the dark because it's easier for them to operate that way. There's no questions. Um, they can put them in whatever funds are beneficial to the advisor and not necessarily the client. The more you educate, the more sophistication your client has. At times, it can be more difficult because they'll challenge you on stuff, but that's what I loved about uh, being able to change the industry. And so. Fast forward, after I graduated from USC, uh, I took a job at Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley, obviously a huge brand, huge conglomerate, uh, billions of dollars under management. And so it was a good foundational landing spot for me, right? I learned the business. I had some great mentors. Um, I had some really good training. And then I left and I went to an independent firm, the firm I'm at now, it's called Manhattan West Asset Management, more of a boutique, intimate feel. The owner of the firm's name is Lorenzo Esparza. He's a mentor to me. Um, and, and so that's where I am now. Okay. Yeah. That's all. And then uh, you focus any particular type of clientele or a particular um, fields like businesses or individuals or like, how's that work when you get to your, your side of things and you get yeah. to a company like you, you are? Um, my, so I have clients from all walks of life. I've got business owners, doctors, lawyers, you know, dentists, but my passion and the demographic of people that I think I can affect the most change with are athletes and entertainers. Um, and specifically those who have not come from backgrounds that would afford them the uh, knowledge to be able to take care of their finance, finances responsibly. There's a lot of people who come from socioeconomic backgrounds that you know they're fortunate enough where the dining room table or kitchen table conversations are about finance, about money, about real estate, about venture capital, these buzzwords that only the rich and successful are typically accustomed to. And so there's a whole new wave and new generation of wealthy individuals in the last decade that has you know, landed on the continent. And these people do not unfortunately come from backgrounds where they're learning this stuff. And as you know, and as I know, being a USC student, unless you go seek out this information, it's not a core part of your educational curriculum. Mm -hmm. So you're not learning about finance, you're not learning even basic finance, uh, basic budgeting principles, uh, balancing a checkbook, paying off credit card debt. I mean, these are things that people are not taught unless you learn it at home. Yeah. And so the market that I really love to work with because I feel like I'm really changing lives are the market of people that didn't learn that at home, right? And they've got a and they've acquired wealth or they have the opportunity to acquire wealth, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to properly manage it once they once they attain it. Attain okay. It, so. And I think that's actually that's becoming more and more popular or not popular it's becoming more and more common especially now with the social media age where mm -hmm. you can get a 13 14 year old kid who you know goes viral on, yeah. on one of the social media platforms yeah. and starts raking in the money i mean you yeah. have like this this i don't know the name of it but there's a a youtube kid out there who opens up presents. yeah he makes to he opens toys and yeah. uh, plays, and plays with toys yeah and he's a millionaire yeah. it's honestly it's truly amazing mm -hmm. it's you know, the land of opportunity, everyone calls the United States the land of opportunity, but I think 
more so than ever before. People from all walks of life, people from you know all ages, socioeconomic backgrounds, cultures, are amassing wealth, and it's 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 amazing, you know. And I, it, I'm happy to be a part of it, and I think it's a very special time. It, it should give the next generation of entrepreneurs or employees hope and uh, optimism that they can reach financial success as well. And uh, you, you said earlier you're Canadian, and I'm I'm born American. I'm a I'm in the military, so of course I have a a little bit of patriotism that I want to like, you know, emphasize out there. Mm -hmm. So I'm be a little biased with this, but would you say that that opportunity here in America is something, I guess, without getting too political, yeah. but that opportunity in America is something that is like good for people, like something that, you know, the people can take advantage of, or I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, look, there's developing countries all over the world. And so I think those opportunities are developing outside of the States as well. So I'm not going to say United States has the only place that, yeah, 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 that yeah, you yeah. can have financial success. Mm -hmm. But I can really only speak to my uh, per, from my perspective and, and through the lens that I grew up uh, viewing the world through. And it worked well for me. Right. I can't I go back to Toronto, Canada, and it's amazing for me to see the growth that they've experienced downtown Toronto is very similar to one of the major United States cities Chicago New York LA and so that's been amazing but I think coming here the I, I got a great educational foundation um, I was fortunate enough to play basketball and go to school with kids who came from affluent backgrounds and so their parents ended up being a network uh, and resource to me uh, as well as it opened up my eyes to the possibilities of, you know, what I could become if I worked hard and I was focused. So the United States did a lot for me. And I'm not going to say other countries can't do the same, but it, it was great. Uh, I'm very fortunate to, you know, be uh, a resident in California. That's awesome. You mentioned um, networking and yep. I mention that all the time. I think networking is very important with growing your career and really no matter what what career path you're going uh, me being in the television industry it's super important like you can't really get around if you don't network how important is networking in your field and if so how um, how have you made that happen like what, what have you done to network to get to where you are it's extremely important um, obviously you have to meet prospective clients uh, they have to trust you you have to build organic relationships so it's it's been hugely important you have to get out of your shell you have to be confident in yourself and you have to be confident in taking no I mean people sometimes it's just not the right time for them sometimes their financial life unfortunately is not a focal point it's not a pri it's not a priority so you have to be patient but I think networking uh, and just being a good person and uh, exercising your knowledge base and getting better at your craft every day is a foundation for our business so. okay so your clients, what they're doing is taking uh, money they already have, mm -hmm. um, investing it into certain portfolio, portfolio, I mean, I can't even say that, portfolios mm -hmm. or um, just different investment um, mm -hmm. categories and trying to multiply that using, most of the time using time, using yep. time, interest, compound interest and stuff exactly. like that. Um, so they, a lot of people have money to get started. Is that the only type of people that, that should be seeking out the path that, that you are helping your clients with? No, it, it's a good question. Um, I think anybody can derive value from the knowledge that a financial advisor has to give but at what level do you start paying for financial consul consultation that's that's really the question there is you know if i don't have a ton of money should i be paying somebody to help me grow this if 
they don't have much to work with. Or maybe I'm not at a level where it makes sense for me to pay a fee for this service. Um, if you if you don't feel you're at that level, if you don't want to pay uh, for professional advice, there's tons of robo advisors. Technology has done a great job in the financial space. It's called fintech. There's online platforms that allow you to invest, and they walk you through uh, from a beginner's perspective the steps of invest the investment process. So the first thing they'll do is figure out your risk tolerance, which is your appetite for risk, right? Um, most people know the risk reward relationship. The more risk you take, the more reward you can have, but also, you know, the more you can lose. You have sometimes a risk of total loss. So you might say, ah, you know, I'm not comfortable losing my money. I don't need to swing for the fences. I'm happy with singles and doubles consistently over the duration of my life. And so your risk profile would be more on the risk averse side. That's the first thing that they'll measure, your risk tolerance. Um, the next thing they'll measure is, you know, how much money you have and how much money that you'd like to put to work, which is a technical way of describing uh, how much money you're willing to invest. And it'll walk you through all the way to actually suggesting a portfolio for you. And so, I mean, it's really a turnkey solution for those who are starting out. The reason that wealthier individuals, people of affluence and, and you know, extreme net worth hire a financial advisor is because the complexities start to factor in once you get, I'd say, north of three, four hundred thousand dollars. Now there's more you can do on the investment side. There's more tax strategies. Um, and so it, at that point, it become it makes sense for you to maybe pay for some some expertise. So pretty much investing is for all types of people, shapes, sizes, influ you know, it, it, everybody out there is able to invest. It just matters on like how much you're able to and how mm -hmm. much you're willing to. Um, but what you're saying is people can invest using the help of professionals like you yep. if they have the money. And if they exactly. don't, it doesn't mean they're out of luck. It no. just means they have to dig, you know, work a little harder themselves, maybe educate themselves before they can exactly. get to that level. Exactly. So, okay. And, and to your point, I think the number one mistake, especially with younger uh, professionals is, oh, I don't have enough money to start investing. Having enough money to start paying for professional service is different than starting to invest. Mm -hmm. And there's something called compound interest. We spoke about it earlier. And it's interest on top of interest, right? So you start at a dollar, you know, after year one, you're at a dollar and 30 cents, and now you're starting a dollar 30 cents the next year. So you're, you're compounding that interest. And uh, there's, there's no substitute for that, right? So years lost are very, very hard to make up. There's some charts online. If you go research compounding interest charts and you click images, there'll be very easy um, depictions of how much more money you have to put in if you start investing later. And it's astronomical, yeah. right? So it's called the time value of money. You can never get back the time value of money. So if you can, you know, if you only can start with $100 a month or $1,000 a month, I suggest that you start with something because one, you're setting good habits. And two, like I said, you can never get back the time value of money. Yeah, and that goes hand in hand with um, retirement funds. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you got IRAs and you have 401ks and stuff. And mm -hmm. the earlier you start that, really like kind of the less you have to put in yeah, from the beginning exactly um, because it's building during until you're able to throw in more you exactly. can always throw in more you can always change the the levels higher or lower yep. um, but getting it started like initiating getting something which that also goes hand in hand with career with success mm -hmm. like get that started if mm -hmm. you're a, if you're a 
garbage truck driver and you don't enjoy doing it, like do it while you're paying the bills, yep. but on the side, kind of do a little something else, do yep. your passion yep. and let that start going. Let that yep. start compound interesting, you know, getting better at that. So that when you get that opportunity, say, you know, the garbage truck driver wants to create his own t-shirt company, mm -hmm. you know, he starts making these t-shirt professional, professional, like getting better at it. Then eventually, you know, that opportunity will arise, he makes a couple bucks, he launches his company. By the time he launches his company, he's already got everything done. Exactly. You know, he knows what he's doing. And so. The investment world is very similar to real life in the sense that people want immediate gratification, mm -hmm. right? And I, I struggle with this. You want things to happen overnight, but Rome wasn't built in a day. You have to start somewhere. You have to set a foundation. And the earlier you start investing, the better your, your retirement's going to be. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that's, that's important. I think it's huge because there's a lot of people that don't start thinking about their investment until, or until retirement, until they're about to retire. And at yeah. that point, it's kind of too late you know yeah. you might end up having to work past the age of 65 which is the typical retirement age or you know should be the typical retirement mm -hmm. age um i even seen some billboards around town where it says we spend more time thinking about you know texting or thinking about this and that than we do about a retirement yeah. you know there's just all sorts of random ones and it's true i mean it, i think it's important i told you earlier i'm a, I'm a big dave ramsey fan mm -hmm. I, I follow him uh yeah. pretty closely and um one thing he mentions too is having a positive net worth before you start investing. Like, mm -hmm. cause if you owe more money to, or owe more money than you own, like you're kind of not really getting anywhere. You're kind of spending in place. So, yeah. I mean, is that something that kind of makes sense? You think, or you think there's ways kind of around that, or what? I think conceptually, yes. Uh, as a rule of thumb, you should be debt free. Mm -hmm. I think having a debt free life is a stress free life. Yeah, for sure. But the more technical answer to that question is there's a, a time where it might make sense to keep the debt. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, how that, how that works. One, sometimes having debt, as long as you're paying it off on time will help your credit score. Mm -hmm. So being a hundred percent debt free isn't always a good thing, right? If you come out of school, let's say you were fortunate enough to have a scholarship. So you don't have student loans. Uh, you don't have credit cards. You have no debt. Then when you go and you need to qualify for your first home purchase or you need to qualify for the leasing of a car, it becomes very hard to show a credit history. Yeah. Okay. So managing debt, as long as you're managing it the right way, can be a good thing. It's, it's called healthy debt. Um, the second answer is if you find an investment where the return on your investment, the interest rate that you're that's returning on that investment is higher than the interest rate that you're paying on your debt, it might make sense to use the utility of your money. So use your money instead of paying off the debt to uh, you know follow through on this investment, right? So if you have $100,000 and you're saying, okay, I have two options here. I can take 50 of it and I can pay off my debt, which is 2% a year, or I can take that 50,000 and I can invest in something that's making me 5% a year. You're still, your arbitrage there, your spread is still 3%. Yeah. So you're still making more money than it's costing you to keep that debt. In that scenario, you have a decision to make. But I think conceptually he's right. A debt-free life is a stress-free life. Um, but I don't want to scare people away from having credit cards yeah. because a, a credit history and a high credit score is very important. So it also sounds like you're saying uh, there's multiple options for multiple people. So yeah. there's not really one certain path that works for every. It's not a one size fits no, all yeah. thing. It depends on you and your situation, exactly. your scenario, your risk. Exactly. So, okay, that, exactly. that's good stuff.
Um, you recently been featured in a, a Forbes article. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm very fortunate to be featured in, in you know, such a world-renowned publication. They wanted to tell a story of athletes that are taking the time to become financially literate, uh, educate themselves on the powers of, of compound interest and budgeting and saving and understanding the value of your contract, your net take home, not your gross. And they knew that I work with athletes. We've had success in educating our guys. And so they, they reached out to me to tell that story. I, I was very thrilled because oftentimes you hear the story of the athlete that goes broke or the athlete that spends too much that's you know that's a played out story in my opinion mm -hmm. not that it's not true at times but there's a lot of athletes especially in today's day and age that are accomplishing you know their goals that are doing the right things that are educating themselves that are working with good financial advisors to develop a sound plan that's going to help them live uh you know a very successful retirement and that story is just not told. I guess it's not as sexy. I guess it doesn't sell yeah. as many papers or get as many views. But, you know, there's a lot of people doing it the right way. And the biggest differentiator, I believe, for myself and my firm is that we don't like to keep our clients in the dark. We want our clients to be educated and sophisticated. And the analogy that I use is you and I can talk basketball for hours. This is what I tell my guys. You and I can talk basketball for hours. At some point, you can take the conversation to a level that I can't get to because you're a pro. This is what you do. Yeah. Different coverages, different reads. You're a professional. My goal for you as an athlete is at some point during your career, you should be able to sit down and have a casual, informative conversation about money and wealth with me. Obviously, I can take it to a level you can't get to because I'm a professional and that's what I do, but it should be very similar to the basketball conversation. That's what I tell every person I sit down with first meeting. That's good. Yeah. I, I like that one. That, I mean, yeah, because you put in that time. You put in that effort to, to be a professional at your craft and learn more than just the surface stuff. Like like people like me who just listen to Dave Ramsey podcast and mm -hmm. read a few books here and there. And, yeah. um, you know, kind of self-taught stuff. Like, you know significantly more than me because you put in that time, you put in that energy, and you made that your profession. Um, but to you, that was worth it. That was something you wanted to invest pun intended that's something you want to invest in was your career and it happened to be into this and you become great at it you become so significant at it that you're having articles written about you and you're being being recommended through uh, professional athletes to other professional athletes um, just that whole networking you know once you get that started it's really just branching out so um, I think that that's great with that being said um, was after you graduated from USC yeah. was your uh, financial advisor career just handed to you or what kind of work did you put in no um, it's 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 a tough business to build right being young being a, a minority in a, a predominantly you know um, male and 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 you know white g profession it's not something that's handed to you you know I didn't come from a ton of family money uh, I didn't come from a network of, of friends that was affluent that would just throw me accounts and trust me with their finances. I had to prove, and I'm still proving, that I had the competency and the knowledge to actually add value to somebody's life. Then I had to build my relationships and expand my network and build trust within people close to me and, and you know those who weren't. And over time, 
you know, day in and day out, month in and month out, year uh, over year, I started to develop a reputation. I started to earn trust of my friends. That trust from my, you know, close circle started to expand and grow. And then, you know, I've gotten recognized. Obviously, I've been fortunate with Forbes and, you know, Black Enterprise, a few other publications. And so my brand, which it took me years to build, is just now starting to uh, pay dividends and professional success. So it's definitely not an overnight process. And it's every day you have to wake up and you have to be motivated to go grind. You have to go get it. Nobody's going to give it to you. It's a very competitive industry. It's a service that a lot of professionals provide. And it's honestly the last thing a lot of people want to think about is their finances, although that shouldn't be the case. And so, yeah, it's not been easy, but I'm very fortunate for the process. And all that hard work makes it that much better when you get to sit down in front of somebody somebody and really change their life. So you you put in all that hard work in the beginning and you're at a level now where you're um, you know, living off of, you're comfortable, you're not working a side job as like a, a server anywhere. So is now just the time to go ahead and relax and kind of let things go, or like no, quit putting in all that hard work or like what, what's now? I, I probably have to learn how to relax a little bit, but I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. I just turned 29 last week. So, I mean, this is very much the start to me. Others might look and say, oh, you got a Forbes article, you know, you, you got some clients, you're doing okay. But to me, the more success I have, the more it drives me to want to get to that next level and help more people and expand my brand and expand my network. Uh, Obviously, I want to have financial success. Obviously, I want to live a comfortable life, but that's not where my passion comes from. My passion comes from what I alluded to earlier. There's a lack of financial literacy. A lot of my friends are athletes. A lot of my friends, just like me, didn't grow up with a ton. And so if I can, if my knowledge can help change that narrative and can help empower those who um, have been fortunate enough to have these phenomenal careers that have afforded them amazing lives, if I can empower them with knowledge, it, it's, it's very powerful for me, right? And I really appreciate somebody trusting me with playing that role in their life. Yeah. You know? Oh, that, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of trust and, and uh, like putting in, putting in the work that you put in for sure is, uh, is paying off. Like you're not taking it easy now. Like you said, you kind of have to learn to relax a little bit, but you're still focusing on the path that you set out to be. Yeah. Like you eventually told yourself when you decided not to be a sports agent anymore, you wanted mm-hmm. to, to pursue this path. Um, did you think that, actually let's rephrase this. Do you think this was the right path for you? Like if you had to do it all over again, do you think um, you would do this again? Because you are currently loving what you're doing Mm -hmm. and you're making a living doing it. And I think that's a a very important combination when it comes to a career path. Um, But yeah, if you weren't doing this and you had to do it all over again, what route would you go? I think I'm in the perfect role for my skill set, and I think I can add a lot of value in people's lives. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I haven't had days where I had self-doubt or, you know, questioned if this was the right profession for me or questioned if I could be successful. Um, I've pushed through those days and then you get little wins and that's kept me going. And so if I could go back and do it again, I'd I'd do exactly 
what I'm doing now, but I don't want anybody listening to this to think that, you know, I just was fortunate enough to find my calling. And uh, to be honest with you, this wasn't my natural path. I wasn't probably destined to be a financial advisor. I found a hole in the industry. I found something I was passionate about. I found a market of people that um, I enjoyed spending time with and I wanted to help. And I just went for it. And so here I am. Did you graduate from USC? Yeah. Uh, what degree did you get? Uh, I had an accounting and then I had a communications. I okay. had a dual degree. So, yeah. so it works. So you were doing something that you pursued in, mm-hmm. in school too. There's a lot of people out there that I'll oh, have a degree in, in nursing, but I started, I did it for a little while and I don't really like it. Now I want to be a dancer or something like, yeah, you can do that. But I mean, I, I wouldn't let, you know, the degree, unless you're going into, you know, being a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, those are very specific mm-hmm. industries, but I would not let your degree dictate the rest of your life. I wouldn't pigeonhole yourself in one profession just because that's the degree that you chose when you were 18 or 17 years old and you really didn't know what you were passionate about. Um, Once I got on the job, although there was bits and pieces of things I remembered in school, I mean, I was starting from scratch. I was starting, you know, at ground zero. So I had to teach myself. I'm still looking to educate myself and learn more and better myself. Um, but I came in knowing nothing. The ind- you know, the experts in this industry, when I came out of school, looked at me as a kid who knew nothing. And so I don't know that having the educational background that I have in that specific major put me at any more, you know, gave me an advantage next to a guy who maybe studied music. I yeah. think that person might have to work a little harder to learn what I learned in school, but it's definitely possible. Um. A lot of people think you have to go to college. You have to get a degree to be successful. What's your opinion on that? I don't think you have to. I think people are more open-minded. I think people are more accepting of various backgrounds. But I do think having that stamp of approval goes a long way, and it makes the process a lot easier. It's probably an uphill battle. You're probably starting in negative numbers if you don't have a degree that shows that you can learn, shows that uh, you're responsible, shows that you're accountable. I mean, I think the degree is less about the content, although, you know, postgraduate degrees, doctorates, Mm -hmm. the content obviously becomes a lot more valuable. But I think a basic bachelor's degree or undergraduate degree, it's less about the content and more about, you know, proving to yourself and to society that you can check a box. Yes, I can show up on time. Yes, I can do things I don't want to do. Yes, I can study and comprehend material. I mean, those are things that transcend in all walks of life. It's not necessarily, can you do math? Can you listen to, you know, uh, recite poems or write? It's, can you show up? You know, can you get this degree? It's it's less about what you learned and more about the process of, can you do it? Can you finish what you started? So. Exactly. And, and and that's not saying that if you don't have a degree, you can't check those boxes. It's just more like a, a quick check. Like when you apply for a job, hey, do you have this degree? Yeah, I do. Or do you have a degree? Yeah, I do. And they go, okay, well, that means they probably got this, this, and this done. Now I know. But there's somebody out there who probably dropped out of high school who can do that same exact stuff, maybe even better. Oh, there's, but, you know, there's tons of people that didn't go to uh, high school or, or college who are making tons of uh, of money, making more money than me, having more success, have more f- knowledge of the financial markets than I do. Um, so I'm not saying that you can't have success and I'm not saying that you can't be self-taught. I, I believe in giving everybody an opportunity. 
I'm just saying as society stands today, I think that's an initial checkbox that's helpful to have. For sure. So Yeah, we mentioned earlier these these kids who are still in high school, you know, going viral on these social media platforms yeah. and making so much money and, and that's kinda the I guess the people you try to target too, the people who didn't come from it, who are just kinda came into it quickly, mm-hmm. came into a lot of it quickly. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have an MC hammer moment. You want yeah, them to exactly. know how to manage that exactly. manage that money. Um, yeah, I think that's super important. Um, so with um, success, like, you know, this is provoked success. You know, I try to focus on that a lot. And my definition of success or my feelings towards success are not necessarily monetary every time. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I don't think everybody's opinion should be. Mine has a little bit of monetary value, but I think success, at least to me, is doing something you love to do, getting paid to do it, making a living doing it, and, you know, living comfortably. You know, you don't have to be making a million dollars a year or anything like that. Um, And, you know, and then having that life all around that Mm -hmm. you want, not just, yeah, not just, you know, finances, you know, it's family, it's a combination of everything. I personally don't think everybody is cut out to be rich and famous yeah. like people think success is, um, but I believe that everybody is cut out for success. Yeah, um, what, I agree. What's your take on success? Like, how would you define success? I think success to me is that feeling of accomplishment. So a feeling of accomplishment doesn't always have to be derived from making money. Some people, that's how they feel accomplished. I made you know, this much money this year, and the next year I made more, I feel like I accomplished something. For other people, it can be uh, beating their last year's time when they ran a mile, or getting in shape, or having a a great family dynamic, or having some balance of all of those things. And so, for me, when I help somebody, uh, I'll I'll give you an example. I, I work with athletes and entertainers. We said that at the beginning of the show. And to listeners who don't know me personally, they might think, oh, his measurement of success is, oh, he gets to work with the rich and famous. There was one opportunity that I had, I'm still working with uh, a player from the Steelers, right? And he, I won't name names just for confidentiality purposes, but I knew what he was going through. He was a, on a minimum contract, he was a practice squad guy, he was an undrafted free agent. It's a very tough position to be in on a 53-man roster, right? You're constantly fighting for your keep, you're constantly trying to earn your reputation. And he would talk to me about the trials and tribulations of what he was going through. He was talking to me about how he was supporting his family. I knew that he did everything for his daughter and his parents. And just being there with him to support him through that process was gratifying to me one day he calls me and and we were going to talk about his rent or his lease something you know some financially related uh, concept and he said hey I don't want to interrupt but I've got some really good news for you I was like okay what is that and he said this team offered me a contract and so you know he still has to make the team he's still got to put his work in but being a part of that experience that was life-changing right and knowing that this guy worked blood sweat and tears literally not metaphorically to support his family and to put food on the table for his daughter and playing a role in that to me that was my definition of success it was a feeling and a sense of accomplishment yeah wow that's huge yeah um you've you work a significant amount like you put in the work Mm -hmm. and and um, i'm always talking about putting in the work but i think that's really important 
Um, but also you mentioned earlier, there's a balance to it too. Mm-hmm. Um, are you just grinding 24 seven? Are you just like, that's all you focus on is work, work, work? Or do you have a good work-life balance? I'm working on balance. I mean, I play a lot of men's league basketball. Um, I spend time with, with, you know, my loved ones, my family, those around me, but I'm still young. So I, I'd say that I'm working towards uh, having better balance in my life. I don't, I'm not work, work, work 100% of the time, but I'm probably not where I want to be. And something I think about and talk about all the time is work-life balance. And how do you find that happy medium to achieving your goals, aspiring to be successful, um, being ambitious, but then also toning it down, scaling it back and giving attention to these other really important parts of your life. So I don't have that figured out, to be honest with you. Um, You're still young, though, too. I'm, so. I'm still young. So I'm in a weird place because I'm trying to grind to get to where I want to get. I, but I do think there should be balance during the process and along the path and not just at the finish line, because there may never be a finish line. You might always want the next opportunity. You might always want to grind for the, you know, for the next year, for the next day. And so if you don't take a step back, take a deep breath and analyze your life and is this healthy? Am I balanced? Uh, now you're not going to do that later. Yeah. So yeah, appreciate you got to take a step back and appreciate what you have yeah. before you try to work on exactly. anything more. Um, you mentioned, uh, you, uh, where you want to get, you're talking about, you know, growing from here. Mm-hmm. Where is that? What is that? My goal or my professional goal, along with the work life balance that you talked about, is I want to be the most successful financial advisor for athletes in the country. And by that, I mean the guy who's known for educating his clients, the guy who's known for uh, building trust amongst his clients and making people feel comfortable with their finances. I want my clients to walk away from their careers feeling 100% confident about the next phase of their life, which is their retirement. And I want my clients to walk away from, you know, their careers knowing that they can leave a lasting legacy for their family, generational wealth. If I can accomplish that, and if I can accomplish a brand that speaks to those two points, I feel like I've attain my goal of being the most successful financial advisor for athletes in the country. Um, some people may say that's not realistic. Like, why would you dream so big? Why do you really think that's possible? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I personally don't agree with that. I think yeah. that somebody has got to be that person or somebody mm-hmm. can be that person. Why not me? What do you say to the people that say, yeah, you want to be the biggest financial advisor for the athletes? Right. What do you say to those people? You know, I'm a first-generation uh, U.S. resident who didn't come from a ton. I didn't, you know, I wasn't poor, but I didn't come from a ton. And I'm working in financial services. So uh, most people would have said that wasn't in the cards for me. That wasn't in my path. So, uh, you know, if I can overcome those obstacles, I went to USC. I didn't get in off legacy. You know, I was on need-based financial aid. People said I couldn't go to USC when I was in high school. I did that. So I've already accomplished goals that people wouldn't have anticipated me accomplishing. And so why stop now? That's the first answer. The second answer is I know all the major players and there's some advisors who do a good job, right? I'm not a hater. I think there's some guys who do a good job, but 
there's the overwhelming number of advisors who don't do a good job for their clients and they take advantage of them. So I know the competition and I know the guys who have reached a point of financial success. If those guys are winning as far as how much money they're making and how many clients they have and the influence and impact they have on the industry and they're just bad people, I know that my character and my passion and my enthusiasm um, and my and my wanting to do good in the industry will supersede that every time. I'll win every time. It might not be overnight. It might not be today. But at some point, doing your job for the right reasons and having passion and conviction always wins. So that, that's my answer. You mentioned legacy a couple times. What kind of legacy would you like to leave behind? If you could you know, leave behind anything, what, what kind of legacy would you strive for? So from a financial standpoint, obviously I want my kids and their kids to grow up you know with the means to have resources and opportunities um, but like I alluded to earlier the legacy that I want to live or sorry the legacy that I want to leave is that of a guy who cared for his clients if nothing else I want people to remember me as a guy who cared about his clients uh, did this job for the right reasons because there's a lot of people who don't and took his time to educate those around him. Oh, that, that's good. Yeah. Um, you seem to want to do a lot for other people. Like, there's yeah. no sort of selfishness coming from you right now. Like, you're you're making, like, professionally speaking, you are making money off other people's yeah. money. Yeah. But you're making it off of your skill, mm -hmm. your time. But you you seem to really be wanting to do more for people than you want to do for yourself. Is that say who you are as a person, or maybe someone in your in, or is every financial advisor that way? Like how? Um, why are you acting? Why are you the way you are? Look, I want I want to make money. I want to you know have nice things. I want to live a nice life. But I believe in the process, and I feel like if you do things the right way and for the right reasons, the money's going to come. So I'm not I'm not that concerned about it because I know that if I attain my goals that I, you know, the, the ones I told you of being considered a guy who does things the right way and does things for the right reasons, and my brand builds and my client base builds, then I'm going to be successful financially. So I don't have to set out to say, you know, I want to work with you so I can make a lot of money. I know if I work with you and I do a great job, you're going to tell a friend and I'm going to get more clients and my, you know, we're going to build together. That's mm -hmm. the biggest testament to me is building with my clients. Like, we all should be making money. Yeah. Right? So my client who plays for this team, if I'm there, you know, from the beginning and we're going through this together, neither of us are making that much money at the beginning, right? Um, but I'm supporting you. Uh, I'm educating you. Uh, you know, you're supporting me. You're trusting me. You're giving me this opportunity, which I appreciate. At some point, you get your big contract, you know, which obviously you're going to have a big investment account. I'm going to charge a fee on and we're both going to make money. And now we've both made it. So that process of being there with somebody when they're not, you know, huge or they haven't made all this money and us supporting each other and growing together and then getting to a point where we're both eating. I mean, that's a win win for me. That's where I feel like it's the most organic uh, relationship. What do you do to, to maintain your craft? What do you do outside of work uh, to maintain or to better my craft? Um, yeah, better. Yeah. What do you do to maintain and better whether you feel like you're plateauing which I don't get that vibe from yeah. you at all or whether you feel like you're growing when you're not actually in your office just reading as much as I can um, which I, I should do more of honestly but I have, I have great mentors 
So I learn a lot through conversations. My, my biggest mentor right now, his name is Lorenzo Esparza. He's the CEO of, of our firm, Manhattan West. And I spend a lot of time just talking to him on a personal level. And he teaches me how he's made money, how he's had financial success, how he's mentored clients, um, how he's been a family man, how he's been a good husband, a good father. And so I learn a lot through those conversations. I have other mentors as well who have played similar roles in my life. And so I try and then take that information and have it be conversational and educate, you know, my clients. I think that's the best, most organic way to learn. You can read. Um, I, I, I love reading, I think. Um, but just having a conversation with somebody who has knowledge and having them take complex information and simplify it and make it just natural and exciting and organic is for me the best way to learn and i'm fortunate to have a mentor that's been willing to do that for me yeah that's great um i mentioned my definition of success um like you know what i feel towards it and um the guests i have on provoke success are people i personally think are successful Mm -hmm. people who my opinion um from what I know about the person or, you know, whether I know them personally or whether I've reached out through mutual friends. Um, you and I know each other personally. I've known you for a few years yeah. and um, I've figured, you know, I, I feel like you're successful. I appreciate that. Thank what you. about you though? What do you, do you think you are successful? I think I'm on the path to being successful. Um, I think others would look at what I've accomplished so far and, and they, their opinion might be different. We live in LA, right? So if you asked 50, you know, if you ask people, 50% of them would say he's not successful because their measurement of success mm-hmm. is living in West Hollywood and driving a really nice car, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Um, but you asked another subset of people, they'd say Justin's really successful. I think I'm successful in my own uh, definition of, of the word because I've accomplished the goals so far that I've set out to accomplish um, in the short term. So I'm still striving for medium and long-term goals, but the ones that I've set out for myself on an annualized basis, on a monthly basis, for the most part, I've hit. And it's felt good. I've had that feeling of accomplishment, which is what I told you earlier was my definition of success. I I think it's it's funny and cool that you mentioned uh, what cars people drive or where they live because a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people feel it's based off of the show. Mm -hmm. And we all know social media, people, glamorize things more than it actually yeah. is yeah um i personally know people who are doing very well in life yeah who drive a beater car mm-hmm. who live in a decent house or decent neighborhood mm-hmm. who could easily be living in those ritzy places yeah. and they don't yeah. if anything they're kind of being smarter with their money yeah um you know don't know if they're investing or not but they're being smarter with their money because they don't care to you know show the world they don't care to impress people Mm -hmm. with um materialistic things who people probably don't even like or they don't like them in the first place which that's what a lot of people do the the status here in la is really focused towards that you know Mm -hmm. we have a lot of nice cars a lot of nice houses and there's a lot of money here but i think a lot of people here are uh, house poor or car poor you know buying a little bit more than than really they can afford and they're not really thinking about the long run investing. I'm yeah. sure some of those people are, yeah. you know, get that hundred dollar paycheck and they go spend ninety nine of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. Um, so, what kind of advice would you give to maybe a, a, a teenager, someone getting ready to go to college, um, who's trying to go figure out what path they want to go in life, or maybe someone who just graduated college who 
is, is just starting out in their career path mm -hmm. and uh, doesn't really know what kind of effort to put in or really which way to go. Like, do you have any sort of advice to get people to what you feel like they could be? Yeah. I mean, one thing that worked for me was informational interviews. So when I was in college, I tried to sit down relentlessly and shamelessly, uh, to be honest with you, with as many people that I thought were financially successful as possible. So if you were wealthy and, or you had a good job or you had a good job title, I was not embarrassed uh, or shameful about asking you if you'd you know, have coffee with me or have lunch with me or allow me to come by your office and pick your brain. 90% of these people, I had no idea what they did. And even after I left their office, I still had very little understanding of what they did. But I think the biggest challenge for most people is that they just don't know the opportunities that are out there. Yeah. So if you don't know what jobs are there, then your sample size or your pool of potential occupations is inherently shrunk, right? Um, small. How do you know what you're destined to do or what opportunities you know may come your way if you don't even know what occupations exist? So I think you should tap into a network. If it has to be through LinkedIn or if it can be through family or can, you know, anybody you meet, I would not hesitate to ask for their time. People want to help younger students. Mm -hmm. They want to. They'll, for the most part, I mean, unless they're, they're just not great people, for the most part, they'll give you their time as long as you're respectful about how you ask. And take that time just to learn as many opportunities, uh, you know, as many occupations uh, as you can. Learn about as many occupations as you can. Because what you're going to do, most importantly, is figure out what you don't like, mm -hmm. right? So you're like, ah, that sounds great. I'm happy he's making a lot of money, but that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. And what you're going to do is you're going to start filtering down to this small list of occupations that you might really love. I just, I don't want people to come out of school and say, oh, I have to be a doctor, dentist, lawyer, or teacher. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know any other jobs that are out there. Yeah. And they just fall into whatever was convenient for them. That is true. So go out there and learn. Learn what's out there. And uh, I believe earlier you were talking about something called, I know there's a few different terms for it, but one of them is called proximity principle, where you surround yourself with the people you want to be like. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to be around, if you want to be a doctor someday, like surround yourself with other doctors yeah. and picking up medical terms here and there is not going to hurt. Yeah. You know, if you want to surround yourself with uh drug addicts and yeah. you know, lazy people Probably stoners just kind of chill yeah exactly you're just going to go that route so <laughs> yeah. it, it really is a positive and negative thing depending on which which way you decide to go and uh, i think people are scared to to do that sometimes yeah me personally i think you are better off outside of not not everybody i think some a lot of people but not everybody are better off outside of your comfort zone and by comfort zone sometimes that's your hometown mm -hmm. like if you're not from Los Angeles um, and you move here from out of state, you know, the fact that you are by yourself and it's a new place and all you have is the opportunity to grind and, and prove yourself makes you do it. But mm -hmm. if you still, you know, if you move to Seattle or you, you lived in Seattle and you want to stay in Seattle because it's comfortable there, then you just get comfortable and you don't really want to push yourself, you yeah. know? So, uh, do you run into that at all where you just aren't motivated to, to better yourself? I mean, we all have like the natural days. We just want a lazy day here and there. But um, do you find yourself being like more motivated because you work with these clients who are, uh, quote unquote, like the successful rich and fame type thing? Or 
I mean, I don't know. Do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself motivated? No, I mean, my success is derived from a series of uncomfortable events. Okay. <laughs> and by that, I mean, first off, I'm talking to people about their money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a touchy subject. It's an uncomfortable subject. Yeah. If you're not willing to put yourself in a position of discomfort, you're not going to have success in my business. Uh, that's one. Two, the demographic of people that I work with, it's not just athletes, but let's take athletes for an example, since that's the topic that you used earlier. These are some of the most confident, heavily sought after celebrities in the world. So if you're not willing to have a conversation, be confident and put yourself in an uncomfortable position, again, you're not going to have success. So I think every student should take a public speaking class. Uh, What about a finance class? A finance class, you know, I think that's obviously necessary because you're not going to learn it in your core curriculum. So you're going to have to either take a major or go do a minor or satellite class. Go go to UCLA Extension, do online program. I don't care, but you're going to have to seek that knowledge out yourself. But the reason I mentioned a public speaking class is because for most people, that's obviously the most daunting, terrifying class you can take. And it just gets you out of your comfort zone. And it's just like working out. Half the battle is just showing up. Once you get to the gym, it's not usually that hard to work out. Yeah. It's the same thing with public speaking. You get up in front of the stage, as long as you're prepared, once you're there and you start going, you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. And so it, it, it's the same thing with introducing yourself to you know, a new person, having a genuine conversation, um, going up and trying to build rapport with a stranger. I think those are skills that transcend all industries and and they're very valuable i think there's a lot of common ground with things that you're saying versus other guests that i've had who Mm -hmm. like i said i feel are successful in their in their careers um i I just really want people to focus on that focus on it takes work sometimes it's uncomfortable work sometimes it's hard work actually i say a lot of times it's hard work but it's possible yeah do you think that uh do you think that there's people out there who just aren't cut out to be successful? There's people who just are meant to, you know, have that nine to five paycheck to paycheck, you know, mundane life. I mean, do you think that people it's just kind of what they, what they deserve or what they get? Like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to equate this to working out. Okay. Cause I've been in bad shape, <laughs> you know, many times and there's some people out there that just have good genes. They can eat whatever they want mm-hmm. and they still have a six pack, right? Yeah. So I, I attribute those people to somebody who grew up and you know maybe had a family business given to them, right? It comes easy. Yeah. Maybe other parts of their life are difficult, but working out, being wealthy, apples to apples, it's easy for them, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Then there's another sub-market, actually it's the majority of people who if you eat, poorly you're gonna have you know you're you're gonna get big you're gonna be out of shape and some people wake up and they're like you know what I don't want to start working out because I can never have that body it's just not in the cards for me right I equate those people to maybe you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth you have to work towards something but you know what happens you show up you work out every day you eat right it's a process after a week you're frustrated you're like oh I haven't seen results if you quit yeah uh I just died. We're, we're good. We can okay. still keep going. Um, if you quit, you know, you're not going to see the results if you quit after week one. But if you just keep going two, three, four weeks, now you're out a month. 
two months, all of a sudden you start to see a transformation. That transformation um, gives you a lot more confidence. And at some point, you can be in really good shape. You can get that body you want. So it's the same thing in life. Yeah, some people weren't born with a ton of money. Some people weren't born with, you know, uh, a business that, that they were going to inherit. But they can still get to the same destination. You just might have to show up every day and work. Yeah. It, it really is a mindset. It's so... if you. It's one of those situations, if you tell yourself you can do it, you can do it. Like, yeah, some things aren't possible. Like, some things just are out of reach. Most things aren't. Yeah. If you want to get in shape and you put your mind to it and you dedicate the time and effort to do it, it can happen. Yeah. If you say, ah, oh, not today, okay, you're going to keep telling yourself yeah. that. So it's, it's, the, it's the same exact thing as working out, yeah. I'm telling you. I totally agree. And it's, you know what's the greatest part of working out, and it's the same thing in life, is that from the beginning, the destination looks so far away. Yeah. When you're out of shape, getting in shape, the first couple workouts feel terrible, first off. Mm-hmm. And when you look at your body, you're like, I could never get to that. I can never get to that angle. It's so far away. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But once you start chipping away, that feeling of accomplishment, which is what my term of success is, you know, after month two, month three, all of a sudden that destination becomes real. It Close becomes to. a reality. Yeah. And that once it becomes a reality, that's called that's called optimism. And I think that optimism is powerful. Optimism can lead you to achieve things that you never thought you could achieve. I totally agree with that. Yep. The, the closer you get to it, the more you see it working mm-hmm. and the more you actually are motivating yourself. Exactly. Too. So, I mean, exactly. that, it's huge. Um, I think that's a great note to end on. Yep. I mean, that you, you gave a lot of great advice today and I hope you inspired a lot of people. You definitely inspired me. Thanks, man. And um, I, I appreciate you coming here and talking and um, you know, giving that, giving that free advice to people. You didn't charge people for your, for your time <laughs> no. today, you know, so, so that's good stuff. Um, do you, uh, you have a, any sort of social media you want people to, you want to shout out? So if people want to reach out to you or people want to follow your process yourself or anything like that, or. Yeah, you can add me on uh, Instagram is probably the easiest and you'll see all my other handles. Once you get to my Instagram, it's at J McCurdy one five. So it's at J M C C U R D Y one five. Great. Yeah, go ahead and check him out, everybody. And um, thank you again for, for watching and listening. And, um, you know, I just want want you to go out there and just step out of your comfort zone. You know, follow that, that path that you think is out of reach but really isn't. Give it a shot. Give it a try. If it doesn't work, you know, tweak it. Change something a little bit. See, you know, make it work. Um, success is available for everybody like you can be successful you might even be in a path you weren't even sure you wanted to take in the first place so um thank you again for listening um follow you know follow all the provoke success uh platforms and um i appreciate you i appreciate your time i appreciate um you listening and uh i hope to have you next episode